With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hi, I'm Michaela from Columbus, and I would absolutely recommend 3C. Because the accident wasn't my fault, 3C stepped in to handle the other person's insurance company, so I didn't have to do a thing. While they were fixing up my bumper, they actually fixed up a few of the scratches that were there, and now it looks brand new. I would totally recommend 3C to my friends and family, and I have been. <laughs> 3C Body Shop, the finest in collision repair. Hey guys, have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions like, how do I record an episode? How do I get my show into the apps all the people like to listen to? And how do I make money from my podcast? Well, the answer to every one of these questions is really simple. It's called Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. And best of all, it's 100% free and extremely easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. I've been using Anchor now for, oh, almost a year, and I really enjoy it. It's a lot easier than any of the other podcast apps I've ever tried. And again, it's free, guys. It really is free. It doesn't cost anything. Uh, So if you want to get started on a podcast and making money doing it, then go to anchor.fm slash start. That's anchor.fm slash start. Anchor, the best way to podcast. This is Jared Sandler, and you're listening to the Ranger Report Podcast. This is the Ranger Report Podcast. News, insights, predictions, interviews, and information about the Texas Rangers from the major leagues to the minor leagues. And now, here are your hosts, Ben Dieter and C.J. Berryman. All right, welcome to the Ranger Report podcast. As always, we are glad you're here. And thank you to Daniel Sutherland for the new uh, intro, which sounds really good. And we included a new name in there, Uh, C.J., I I guess you heard that. Yeah, it sounds great. Thank you very much to him for for doing that for us. And, uh, you know, just, just fun to be a part of this deal. Happy, happy we're getting closer towards the season. No kidding, man. We're glad to have you. And yeah, if you do need uh, any voice work, let me just bump him real quick. Is uh, DanielSutherland.com is his website. He does all kind of voiceover work, so go check him out. But you can find us on Twitter. I am at BDeter75. I am at CJB underscore RR. And then also, uh, we are at The Ranger Report on Twitter and on Facebook and on Instagram and pretty much anywhere else that you go, we have a presence there. So don't forget, we have a shop. Look around. We got some cool hat shirts, stickers, mugs. Uh, I don't remember what all we have on there. Lots of good stuff. And then we have a Patreon that uh, we would love for you to be a part of. Uh, go on there and sign up for that. So that would be fantastic. So a lot happened uh, this week in Rangers news with, uh, I think... Didn't somebody get traded? Uh, I heard something about somebody going to Oakland. I can't remember, though. 
Uh, yeah, I don't remember who it was. It was somebody that we've heard of before, maybe. Yeah, so... Yeah, I think we're going to talk about that a little bit tonight. <laughs> but before before we get into all that, uh, we're going to start doing a trivia question on each podcast episode. And for the trivia question, you will send at the Ranger Report on Twitter. You will send in your answer with the hashtag trivia question so that we know what you're doing. And then at the end of the month, there'll be three this month because it's already the second week of February. We'll pick one winner out of everyone who got it right. And we will send you some stuff from the RangerReport.com store. So I thought we'd start, CJ, with a question that's basically, I mean, this is basically the most softball of softball questions you can get. All right. The first question we're going to ask is, who is the Rangers' all-time winningest postseason pitcher? That's a pretty softball question. I mean, you know, it was it was in recent history, and uh, he was a fan favorite, so I don't think anyone's going to have trouble uh, trouble with that one. So be sure to tweet at the Ranger Report with the hashtag. Uh, oh, what did I just say? <laughs> oh, trivia question. Thank you with the hashtag trivia question and answer the name of the person who is the all time winningest postseason pitcher in Rangers history. I won't say who it is, but you know. Do you think that I would, it would help people out if I said that it was his second tenure as a Ranger, or would that just confuse people? I don't know. You know, that's that might confuse people. It's so it's such a difficult question. So now they will get harder. But I thought we'd start it off with a nice, easy softball one to get the uh, the trivia thing started for 2021. Let's move on uh, to Elvis Andrews, which we just mentioned. To the Athletics, shock was my first thing, and then disbelief, and then. As I got to thinking about it, I realized it was probably not a bad thing with the Rangers rebuilding to let him go somewhere where he can play shortstop every day, but I'm still sad to see him go. Absolutely. I mean, he, he's uh, kind of a, a trademark for the the Texas Rangers World Series teams and then kind of that build towards it. Um, you know, we're going to we're gonna do more talk, you know, later on on, on uh, some of his top ten moments, and I'll get into, get into mine, and it was in that 2009 season, his rookie year. Um, he's, um, well, he's, he, you could argue he's one of the faces of the franchise. He's one of the greatest Rangers ever, and, uh, again, part of a, a special time uh, that Rangers fans and the Rangers organization had never, never tasted before, and... Um, just uh, the way the way he played the game for the Rangers, I mean, it was just fun. It was, you know, it made, he made baseball fun with him and Bel- Adrian Beltre. You know, in the in the left side of the infield, it was a uh, it's definitely the end of an era. He's the last one of those those teams that uh, was still standing, and now now he is gone. Although I I, I agree, it, it's kind of a shock and awe deal. It's kind of it doesn't quite have that Michael Young feel to it, but um, you know. Uh, it's yeah, it's definitely sad, uh, but also probably um, as we move forward on a rebuilding season with the Rangers, it's, probably, it's definitely um, definitely a sign of things moving forward and probably the right move. Yeah, it was. And like I said, disappointed. But, you know, so many good memories. Like you said, watching him and Beltre for years over there on that left side was so much fun. The way that he interacted with people like Emily Jones and they were interviewing him, you know, all kind of all kind of stuff that he did on the field and off the field always had a big smile on his face. You know, watching him grow up here. It was just awesome. And like I said, it's one of those things, though, you're supposed to fall in love with the name on the front of the jersey, not the name on the back of the jersey. But when a guy spent that much time here, you know, it's hard not to be a little sad when he moves on. But again, it was time for him 
He didn't know if he was going to have an everyday position here. He will with Oakland. And for him, I'm really glad that he got to go somewhere with an everyday position, but I'm not glad that it is Oakland since we'll see him 19 times this year. Yeah, it's like odd how many times if you look back, especially since John Daniels has been since John Daniels has been uh, with the Rangers. Uh, the, the A's and, and Rangers are no strangers to one another when it comes to making trades to, with each other. I mean, they've made a litany of them. Uh, and, uh, so it's 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 it stinks that he's going into uh into an interdivision rival. Uh but it's not a surprise to see Oakland and Texas make a deal. Um but yeah, we're gonna get to see him nineteen times unless he's got the day off or injured. So it's gonna be uh bittersweet, I guess you could say. Yep, and t- uh, speaking of that, they traded him for Chris Davis, the Ranger killer, who I guess will no longer be a Ranger killer since he is now a Ranger. Yeah, that's the one thing, I guess, is they said they uh, we're going to go ahead and, and get rid of Elvis and we need to get get back somebody who's been killing us for, you know, what his, his numbers against the Rangers have been insane. I, I saw him the other day, it was something like 40-something home runs against the Rangers. Yeah, alone. it's ridiculous. Um, yeah, it had a Vladimir, Vladimir Guerrero feel to it that every time he stepped up at the plate against a, a, a opposing pitcher that had a, a blue or red tee on the the ball cap, uh, it, the ball was going to be sent out of the yard. I mean, it was just insane how hot he get when he played the Rangers, and it seemed to cool off afterwards. So I don't know what it is, but hopefully he brings a lot of that, uh, a lot of that to Texas. But it, it's going to be interesting to see that. It also opens up more questions as to what's going to happen there in the outfield and at DH because he's kind of a, a high slugging and high strikeout guy a lot, and we already have one of those at, at, at uh, right field for Texas. So. Uh, with Joey Gallo, so I, I, I just have an inkling, and I don't, I don't know why it just kind of hit me. But the, the Rangers actually might not be done. I mean, could this be a signal of maybe Joey Gallo moving as well? I don't know. But uh, Chris Davis, I mean, he, at least it'll, it'll bring uh, some fun watching the pop in his bat to the ballpark this year. Yeah, I agree with that. And of course, there is a chance, you know, I don't think it'll happen, but there's a chance he can never even play for the Rangers and they might either move him somewhere else or do something else with him, you know, just because you say now, you know, you've got, you've already got a traffic jam in the outfield. And what does this mean for DH when it comes to, uh, you know, who they already have there? So it's Willie Calhoun. So it's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting to see what they're going to do with him. But if he plays here, yeah, we already have a high strikeout, you know, high home run guy in the outfield. So I think he could definitely bring a lot. He's right-handed, which the Rangers don't have a lot of right-handed pops. So I think it could be a good thing. I think him and Calhoun could, you know, platoon and both play a little outfield, both play a little DH. Yeah, that would be that would certainly be ideal if if it if it is indeed the case that they they stick with the roster that they have. I just I just have a feeling that. Uh, you know, it's just—I don't know—I don't know. Just the feeling that something else is going to change, and like you said, uh, the this is this was a deal that the the Athletics wanted really badly, and the Rangers helped them out by getting Davis's contract off the books, and the Rangers are going to pay for—they're sending thirteen and a half million dollars over to Oakland uh, to pay for Elvis's twenty twenty one deal. So uh, they're getting a free year of Elvis and, and getting Davis's contract off the books. That doesn't mean that the Rangers are just going to just going to eat uh, Davis's contract either. So. Um, just, just a lot of moving parts at the moment. So this is, it's kind of exciting because we've been in a lull, really. Yeah. December. So, uh, as far as transactions uh, happening, really all around baseball, aside from some, some little signings and re-signings and whatnot, and uh, arbitration deals getting done or not done. So it's, it's interesting to see. And the, the Rangers did get a catcher um, 
that was uh, pretty pretty highly thought of in Jonah Heim. So yep. that's also going to be an interesting thing at catcher for the Rangers this year. Um, goodness, I mean, uh, yeah, the, this trade alone kind of it just opened up the door to a lot more questions. Yeah, because reports are saying that he could actually compete, you know, in spring training with uh, Trevino at, at catcher, which puts a lot of pressure on Trevino, who I thought had a great twenty twenty. I thought he looked great behind the dish and at the plate in twenty twenty. He had a he had a stretch there in the middle of the season where he could do no wrong at the plate. Yeah, and he really he put his name on the map. Uh, in, a, in a season that was just dismal for the Rangers and dismal for everybody because it was shortened and no fans and all that stuff. But um, in, a, in a difficult season, he definitely was a bright spot. Him and Isaiah Connor for left of, you know, those two guys made it uh, made it watchable and, and listenable if you were listening on the radio and whatnot. Um, so, yeah, you kind of pencil him in as a starting catcher rolling into this year just based off what we saw from a shortened last season. But, um, yeah, it's in competition's a good thing. So, um yeah, it'll, it'll it'll be interesting to see, and you might see a platoon situation there, or um, you know, one catch in two days, one catch in one, and day 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 games after night games. So you'll you'll likely see both of them a whole lot. It's going to be interesting to see who who gets the first nod. Yeah, and to me, that's saying that Sam Huff is going to get some more everyday playing time down at AAA. You know, before he gets called up here, he'll get a little more time down in the minors. Yeah, I agree with that, and then he does need a little bit more. Um, and you could say the same, you could have said the same about Trevino last year, but, uh, some more AAA at bats for a guy that's unproven that that's not going to hurt, especially when you're trying to kind of fill out what you're going to have for the next couple of years and hope to build towards something. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's move on to uh third base on MLB network. Chris Young said that, uh, or third and second, sorry, third and second. Chris Young said that it's really Solak's job to lose at second, and Odor will be sort of a utility infielder and maybe even play some outfield. Um, do you think, how bad do you think Nick Solak would have to do for Rugnit to be the starting second baseman on opening day? Well, if, if uh, Chris Young, you know, believes that Solak is, is the, the top guy right now, then uh, it'd have to be difficult because difficult for him to lose. I mean, he'd have to be pretty bad because you've seen what Odor brings to the table at second base yeah. for over the past few years especially and it hasn't been good at all uh, and maybe maybe defense was getting in his head too making a mistake in the field because you could again I've mentioned it before Odor's not the strongest mentally I guess uh, I don't like using it that, that way but it's kind of the way you have to with you know a, a mistake he lets linger um Little things about his, you know, plate plate appearances and his plate approaches, you know, they kind of seem to get get in between the ears with him, and maybe him playing multiple positions and um, not having to worry about, you know, a mistake at second base and going back out there and making, you know what I mean? And yeah, uh, maybe it's a good thing for him, but you 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 look at third base there, and yep, you you'd imagine with Elvis not being there and Josh Young not really being completely ready, um, although we. Sure, hope to see him this year. Uh, that's something we'll talk about later. And um, you know, I'd, I'd say third base is Odor's to lose as well uh, if we want to if we want to go there. But it's exciting to see that the Rangers are they're not just going to stick with the money man like we talked about before uh, with him making getting that new contract, that new big contract. It just sounded like they were going to just give him every opportunity to to stay second. But now they're they're going to kind of move forward. 
Yeah, and as I was looking around, you know, you say it's probably Odor's job at third, and I agree. Trying to see someone that they could bring in, you know, like a veteran presence at third to kind of take that spot until Josh Young was ready. But I didn't really see anybody out there just, you know, that that screamed out to me that they could bring in that would be, you know, any better than just letting Odor give it a shot. Yeah, and it's just also the, the trade of Elvis and um, kind of clearing a, a log jam at or you could say a log jam, but clear, opening up um, – a clear view at third. Obviously, they have uh, high hopes for Josh Young, and it kind of maybe opens the door for him to be up in the majors earlier than we, we initially thought this year. Uh, we've heard them say that they want him, they want to get him some major league at bats this year, and to expect to see him. So, um, depending on how third plays out, and if nobody can really take hold early in the season, we may see Josh Young over there a little, little bit, a little bit earlier. Yeah, see, that was my thought exactly. If Odor starts playing, you know, like he played at second the last few years, just bumbling, not doing well, you know, batting 150, 160 at the plate, I think we'll see Josh Young a lot earlier than the Rangers wanted to bring him up because, I mean, he's so highly touted. He's the number one prospect in the Rangers organization. You know, obviously, if you've seen him play, he's really, really good. His defense is great. Now, he's going to need work at the plate just because he's still young and has never had a lot of professional at-bats, but, you know, I don't think the Rangers, I think the Rangers want Odor to be successful because they don't want to have to bring Young up early. Uh, you hit the nail on the head there because they lost the season, the minor league season last season. Young didn't get any at bats. So nope. he didn't, he's, he hasn't seen live pitching in, in God knows how long, you know, since two years ago. So it'd be very difficult for a, a young guy like that just what two this be his third year after be, since being drafted yeah. to, to be able to hit major league pitching. I mean, that's that's a I wouldn't wish that on my enemy. You know, that's, that's no, a that's a hard task. So yeah, they want somebody to step up and fill in that void there third, um, so that they don't have to go to the the, the Josh Young well too early. But um, yeah, I mean that's like, that's just one that we're just gonna have to watch play out. Yeah, I agree. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, just no other options. And I think, you know, Isaiah Counter-Falefa obviously would be an option at third, except that when they traded Elvis away again, I think they were saying that that door is closed and Isaiah Counter-Falefa will not be playing third anymore, just like he didn't play any catcher last year after being a catcher the year before. Yeah, and it's, it's yeah, it's, that's, it's a dead, that's a dead on signal right there to, to IKF that the spot is his, and he doesn't have to worry, you know, about if he if he if he uh, stumbles here and there in the field that they they move him you know that's his dream job was is, since he was a kid to be a shortstop he's got it now and now the path is clear so it's a it's probably a load off of his mind and yeah it's a that's a signal right there that that spot is his and uh, likely for the for the at least the near future. Yeah, I agree. And it ought to be fun, you know, to watch uh, to watch spring training for around the whole infield. You know, we'll talk about the whole infield a little bit later, but I wanted to move on tonight and talk a little bit. And as the we get closer to the season and spring trainings all get underway, we're going to have writers from each of the AL West division come on or podcasters, depending on who we can get to talk about all the other teams. But let's look around the AL West for uh, for right now before spring training starts where everybody sits. I mean, who is going to be good this year? What do you think? It's hard to tell. Yep. <laughs> it really is. Um, the division is not, it's definitely not looking as good as it has in, in recent years. And, um, you could really flip a coin. Uh, the easy pick would say would be the Astros, but are they turning down? Um, you know, Oakland, they always seem to, you know, with that whole money ball thing, they, they seem to, to, to find the right pieces here and there every, every, every so often. And, 
and be a contender. And uh, it looks like that may be the case again here for the next couple of years. But we'll see on that one. And uh, you know, Seattle, Seattle's still there. They're it seems like they're just a player or two away each year from from really contending. And the Angels, they're willing to spend. And uh, Shohei Otani, they just got him uh, signed up for arbitration. So. Um, through arbitration and yeah um, it's, it's hard to say flip a coin in my book um, but if, if you're going to ask me off the top of my head I'd still say Houston at this point yeah I'm, I have the feeling that Houston might be down this year they've lost some players you know they're not they're not as good as they were, but you can never count them out because they've played together as a team for so long. They're a good team, obviously. You know, you take away the the trash can banging in 2017, but still, even with that, they were an amazing team. Even if that hadn't have happened, I mean, you got. I mean, we got to admit they were a really good team even without that. And same thing in 2018 and 19. They were a little down this last year, uh, but you know everybody was. Angels definitely. Angels do not mind spending money. You know, Artie Moreno will spend a lot of money. He did again this offseason. They got Rendon last year, who they'll have again this year. You know, they, they have they have the roster that should be able to win, but they never seem to be able to. No, they, they get the names. They get the big contracts. They'll make the trade for the big name. But the, for whatever reason, it just never, never transpires into as much success as they would hope and that you would expect. And uh, that's no, you know, no harm to Rangers fans or anybody in the AL West. They're, they're happy to see it, see the kind of that money go to waste. And, uh, we don't have to look much further than Josh Hamilton, you know, <laughs> so, um, we can thank them for that, I guess. And, uh, yep. yeah, um, they, they have no problem spending. So if they're in anywhere even near contention, they, they're not afraid of the trade deadline to, to pull some deals either. Nope. Um, they're not one to say, okay, we're not quite there. We don't know if we can contend. We're going to maybe get some young guys up there. No, they're going to, they're going to go for it. I agree. And then to me, the most interesting team, the A's, like you said, everyone always seems to think this will be a year where they finally have to start rebuilding. And then, like you said, they somehow pull together some sort of, you know, snap together team that goes out there and wins, you know, 92 games. So we'll see what they do this year. But to me, the most interesting team is the Mariners. They spent a little money. They got some young guys and some veterans. I will be interested to see. I don't think they'll do well to start the season, but I'll be interesting, interested to see if that team can sort of mesh together as the season goes on. Yeah, that's going to be to me the most interesting thing. Um, aside from from watching, you know what what develops with the Rangers, obviously, but you know how the how the Mariners are going to mesh together. Because, like you said, they've got some pieces that they put together um, with what they've already had, uh, some young talent and some veterans. And um, oh, it's going to be nice to talk to the to the to the guys that write for those those organizations and really get to dig into what they think of the the integral parts. You know the Yep, the, the, the pieces that we don't see, you know, um, we can sit here and go all, you know, all day long and all night long about, you know, what we see with behind the scenes with the Rangers or what we we feel in the minors. We can't do really do that with them. So that's what's kind of got me interested in, in talking with these guys is, is uh, finding out those details and kind of getting a little deeper. But yeah, the Mariners, uh, back to that, um, they could they could be the team I think that would. Uh, uh, over the next couple of years could be a real thorn in the side to everybody in the AL West, but it's just not, like you said, they, they, they're going to have to come together and it might start out slow, but if they can catch their stride, um, I'd say a quarter away through the season, look out. Yep. And that's what I think too. I think, so I think the West is going to be, 
I don't think we're going to have a lot. I don't think you're going to have two wildcard teams come out of the West this year, but you know, I think you, 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 I doubt you'd have one, but you could see, like you said, the A's might sneak in there. The A's could win the division. The Mariners could win the division. The Astros could win the division. Then the angels could win the division. So that means that the rain, that means the Rangers will probably win it. Right. (laughs) They're the one, they're the ones that shouldn't be able to win it. So they will be the ones to come out and win it. Yeah. Or like you said earlier, I mean, the A's just seem to, They'll, they'll find a couple of veterans that seem like they're just on the way out or something and, you know, throw them in there with a bunch of young guys and they all just gel together and, and bam, they win. And they go, they don't just win. They, they win a couple of rounds in the playoffs. They haven't, with those teams, since Billy Bean's been there, they haven't gone to the World Series, but they've gotten darn close. I mean, they're not just, oh, hey, we made the playoffs. No, it's, we make the playoffs and we, we, you're going to, you're going to earn every bit to get past us. Top 10. What we talked about earlier, I wanted to do tonight for our uh, our top ten. I wanted to do Elvis Andrews memories that you and I have from his you know twelve years in Texas. Uh, I wrote down ten, but you know I know you have some too, so I'll I'll, I'll go back and forth. But uh, I'll let you start with uh, with your first memory if you'd like to. What's one of your favorite memories of Elvis during his time here? Number ten. Mine is is the one I mentioned earlier. It really was nothing. Nothing that he did, um, none of the special things that he did in, in the prime, you know, the 2000, 2010, 2011 seasons. It was his first major league game. Uh, 2000, 2009 opening day, he hits an opposite field home run in his first first game. And um, you, you kind of got to see him flash the glove on the, in the at shortstop on the infield. And you kind of like, wow, this guy's going to be, this kid's going to be really good. And wow, this team is real young and, and real good. And, and then we might be getting good for a while, and we had no idea how fast that was going to happen. Because yep. to me, you know, looking back on it now, leading up to that season, we've seen uh, watching the Rangers, you know, winning the first game means absolutely nothing. You know, it's one of 161, as you hear them always say yep. around baseball. But that one seemed, if, when looking back on it now, that one just had a different feel to it. It was kind of a signal of, okay, here's, here's the nucleus, here's the core, and Y'all are about to watch something special, and, and to me, looking back, it was in that game. That's really what I remember. I remember winning the, the Rangers winning that game, and Elvis Andrews hitting an opposite field home run. So that, to me, um, is is my uh, kind of most special memory because to me, it just signaled that here we come uh, type type of deal. Number nine. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, you know, my my first one will be not my favorite one, but one that just cracked me up, and I think it was two years ago. When uh, he had Baby Shark as his walk-up song uh, for his for for his son, like every time he went to the ballpark, every time you're watching it on TV, man, I was so tired of that song, but it was so funny. And he went on he went on a tear. That was the year that he like started the season so good, and he had Baby Shark, and that that's why, yeah, that's why he kept it for so long is because he was like on a hot streak while he had Baby Shark as his walk-up song. And to me, that just sort of showed you his personality. You know, it was for his son, and then it started working out. And we all know baseball guys are superstitious. And he was like, yeah, we're going to keep going with this. And forever, man, he had Baby Shark as a song. Just loved it. Loved that for his personality, for, you know, the way he was thinking about his family, and just for how fun it was. Even though it was stupid, it was so fun to hear that song every time he walked up to the plate. Yeah, there was never no shortage. There's never a shortage of shenanigans when it came to Elvis Andrews, even when it came to his walk-up song. Nope. <laughs> all right, what's your next one? Number eight. Um, I, I have to go with all the the Adrian Beltre, uh, uh, <laughs> all the all the well shenanigans. Again, there's that word uh, that he and and uh, 
Elvis would, would play in the field with the head touching and, uh, you know, Elvis wearing uh, Beltre's hat in the dugout yep. while Beltre's running the bases. And then uh, I remember the... Uh, I'll have to go with the... Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to go with that as the whole. Uh, I think that's good, yeah. Just how much, just how much fun that them two had together. Uh, Beltre actually kind of really taking Elvis under his wing and showing him how to be professional while still being still saying it's okay to be a goofball and have fun because we know by watching them they had a whole lot of fun out there and that's what makes I mean baseball supposed to be fun and they exuded that and Elvis exuded that every time he took the field yeah just the smile and the, the you know all the the hand signaling and the, and, the, and the messing with Beltre on the pop-ups and then drawing a line in, in between him and Beltre on hey this is my spot and that's <laughs> your spot so the ball comes over here. I'm, you, you know, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Him and him and Beltre, I think, all around with that whole, that whole, um, that whole thing they had going was just a blast for years. Yeah, but if you go to videos, if you look at any any videos of like Elvis Andrews highlights from uh, from YouTube or anything, you'll always see the ones of the two of them both pretending to catch a ball. You know, Beltre shoving Elvis away when he gets yeah. too close, and then all of the head touching. Like those, those were so fun. Like you said, just. Like that, it made baseball so fun to watch on TV because you know even the national guys would notice and like get the cameras on them, you know, and show what they were doing. And I particularly remember one where uh, where Beltre had something in his eye and Elvis was trying to blow it out of his yeah. eye. That, that was that was a great moment to watch. And I remember the uh, at the pitcher's mound when Elvis touched his head and Beltre threw his glove at him. Oh, that was that was absolutely hilarious. Uh, yeah, so this year. I remember uh, Tom Grieve on the broadcast laughing his tail off. <laughs> I, I remember it specifically yeah, sitting there watching that. They they show that high, that clip of yeah, just uh, you, they do their normal mound meeting like you said, and uh, Elvis did a little little head tap and Beltray threw, threw his glove at him, and Beltray ran out to shortstop. Number seven. All right, my next one would be, and this is just something. If you look at any highlights of Elvis from years and years, was the spin throws. You remember those? He'd be going. He'd be going to his left and turn around and chunk the ball back to first base. Those to me, the first time I saw him do it, I was so impressed. And then he kept doing it over and over for years. And it's just such a difficult thing to do. And he made it look routine, kind of like uh, Derek Jeter and the jump throws. You know, Elvis, and he would kind of jump on those too. But just the three sixty spin around, grab it, and throw it to first. And he got so many guys out that way, and it was just so impressive. Yeah, a lot of guys that do that or try to do that end up throwing a. You know, it looks all great until they make the throw, and it's a wild throw because it's so hard to to control your body when you're spinning at such a rate and trying to get it to first base as fast as possible. Uh, but Elvis, yeah, you, like you said, Derek Jeter, I mean, I can't tell you how many times early in Elvis's career that I said, wow, that looked just like Derek Jeter. And, like, yeah. the jumper was in the end, deep in the hole, it's short, and, wow, that looked like Derek Jeter. And then after a few years, it was like, yeah, we're just used to seeing that. You know, it just became a norm. And, yeah, that spin throw, it's, it's one of the more – it doesn't look as difficult as it is. It really doesn't. Yeah. So the average person watching it would be like, oh, that was cool. And we were sitting here going, holy cow. You know, that, that was a, that's a hard, hard play to make. Uh, but Elvis made, did a lot, of, a lot of that short. He made a lot of those plays look real easy. All right. What's your number six? I'm going to have to go with, uh, I cannot remember which, which exact year it was, but uh, Elvis tried to pimp a home run. Uh, <laughs> thought. It was going to be a home run. Uh, he hits it, and he's walking or kind of jogging lightly to, fir- uh, to first base, watching it, and the ball hits the top of the wall and stays in play. 
and he uh, has to hightail to second base, and boy, did Adrian Beltre let him have it when he got back into the dugout. Um, I remember that. That And Elvis was trying to explain it to him like he was in trouble, and Beltre sitting there with his arms crossed going, what are you doing? You know? Um yeah, that one that one was funny because he Elvis immediately when he got to second base turned and looked at the dugout and he knew Beltre was staring at him. Beltre gave him the the hand signals like, "What are you doing? Run, run!" And uh, yeah, that was funny and, and the interaction when they got back to the dugout. But yeah, that one that one was a good one because it was just a big oops moment. Um, that uh, it actually turned out to be fun and funny because Elvis ended up scoring later in the inning, so it was okay. He did, but man, that was really funny. You remind, you know, it just like you said, that was kind of like the the culmination of all of their interactions because it looked like a it looked like a dad that that the son knew he was going to be in big trouble when he got back to the dugout. Yeah, and then he was, and it felt right. and then he was, yeah. Not saying anything with his arms crossed and Elvis is trying to explain what he did. That's exactly what it looked like. <laughs> it was fantastic. Number five, I put down as all of the Gatorade dumps on uh, the players of the game. You know, him and Odor for years were in charge of that. Uh, they'd run around, they'd sneak up, you know, several times they got Emily Jones as well, but they'd sneak up and dump. Yeah, they'd sneak up and dump. My favorite one was probably where uh, where Beltre grabbed the rake and ran out to the pitcher's mound because he knew they wouldn't dump Gatorade on him on the pitcher's mound. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then he grabbed the, the rake and started yep. raking the pitcher's mound. <laughs> <laughs> that was good stuff. But just watching him for all those years. And like we said, I mean, and I think the main thing we're talking about is just all the joy he played the game with. But just he made it so fun for fans, which I think is why fans are going to miss him so much. Absolutely. I mean, uh, it's uh, it's a void. It's going to be a void left. And uh, when Beltrade decided to retire, obviously that was, you know, just as heartbreaking. And yep. it's like, man, losing a lot of that, that character, that the passion for the game, get the fun for it. But you still had Elvis there. And, uh, you know, it just, it's, while it wasn't the same, you still had the, you just still had that joy of, of watching him play. And now that's also gone. So, it's just going to have a different feel to it moving forward, and it stinks. And, um, you know, like I said, it it's kind of has that Michael Young feel to it when he was traded to the Phillies in 2014. Um, and, uh, you know, the signal to the end of the his time with the Rangers is just a – has a different – it's going to have a different feel to it. It's going to feel weird. Yeah. Feel weird. All right, what's your next one? Um, I think – uh, you have it here on the list, and, I, and it's something that I think it slips a lot of people's minds. And uh, it's the, the fact that he is the leading base dealer of all time for the Texas Rangers. Yep. Uh, and uh, there's a lot of records that a, a lot of the, the players of recent memory have have broken, and it's just because well, that's just what the Rangers have been for for the longest time. Aside from the uh, mid to late '90s Texas Rangers, there's not a whole rich history of a whole lot of record breaking, but that's a, that's a pretty big one. And, uh, you know, he's, he was consistent. I mean, it was 30 bases every year. You could you yep. mark him down for and the aggressiveness and the smart base running. And you never really, usually with a guy that's as aggressive and, and you, you think of him with his, uh, the way he plays the game and kind of, kind of would be nonchalant on the bases. And that was far, far from the truth. Uh, he was very, very attentive on the bases and, you know, always took the extra base when available and um, would score from second on a ground out to short, you know, the throw to first, and he'd, he'd be at home uh, to get a run in. You know, it's just it, it, his speed and, and his ability to run the bases. And, and, and like I said, 30-plus 30, 30 stolen bases, I don't know how many years. 
Um, and finally, he, he got to got to see that. So got to see the the reward for that in being the all time uh, stolen base leader for the Rangers. So I think that's something that might might slip some people's minds. Yep, I agree with you, and that's why I'd written it down. All right, number three for me, and this is something that I'll remember the rest of my life. In Game Two of the 2011 World Series, uh, he caught a ball at short and had to get the out at second and couldn't get the ball out of his glove, and he took his glove off and threw it to second base for the out. That was that was one of my favorite memories from that World Series. It's just what quick thinking to take. You just like you know what, whatever. He took his glove off, he threw it, they got the out. Yeah, and you see, uh, you in the old uh, remember the Mel Allen the bloopers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, those on VHS back in the day, and you'd always kind of see some of those, and they're they're real funny. No, that was a serious moment, and, yeah, uh, yeah, a big moment. And uh, he had to make a snap decision, and and rather than going, I can't get the ball out, and the play's dead. No, he thought you know he was on he was on his toes, and and made a play with his glove, <laughs> um, uh, literally. So and, and, and that wound up being a huge play in the game too. Yeah, it, yeah, it was. And uh, I mean, it's just some of the simplest, silliest things that he did ended up turning out to be big, great moments for the Rangers. And um, yeah, that's just one right there. You know, like I said, attentive, attentiveness on the bases, also attentiveness in uh, in big games as well. Yep. Yep. All right. What is your number two of a Sanders memory? I was trying to erase this one. Um, <laughs> And it, unfortunately, this is this is not a good one. But uh, the two errors in Game Five of the ALDS in 2015. That yep. game, if anybody remembers, uh, that's the Jose Batista fat javelin game. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, just a high intensity game there at the end. And you know, Adrian Beltre's out there playing with a really horrible knee. You know, he's practically on one leg, doing everything he could at third. And then you get two ground balls that. Uh, should have been out, and one of your best defenders makes two errors, and Elvis made those two errors, especially the one at third when he was covering on the bunt yep. and dropped, dropped the ball. Um, and uh, just, a, wow, just an absolute meltdown at the end of that game um, when the Rangers could have could have walked out of there and got the last laugh on Batista and the Blue Jays, and it didn't happen because of that meltdown. And unfortunately, Elvis was a very, very big part of that meltdown. Yeah, I agree. And like I said, I, I I put that one in there and I know you were thinking of it too, just because they can't all be great memories. That's still a memory that'll always stick with us about Elvis Andrews. Now, the way I look at it, you play with the Rangers that long and you, you're in the big moments that often you're going to yep. make some, some mistakes. That's just the way I'm looking at it. This is a glass half full type deal. But uh, man, it, it had to happen in that game and that game particular because of the whole Jose Batista bat flip. But Rube Neto door, you know, got, got, got the got the last laugh on that one. <laughs> he sure did. Hey, if we ever do a Rugnado door top 10, it'll just be that 10 times. Yes. Yeah, exactly. There's a door punching Bautista in the face. <laughs> I can do it to 10 different angles. And, there you uh, go. There you go. Three, 10 different frames of, of uh, <laughs> so, you know, where the helmet was when it was flying off and where his glasses were when they were flying off. <laughs> All right. And number one, this was the first one that came to my head when I thought about doing this countdown. The number one was in uh, the ALCS against the Yankees in 2010 when Elvis stole home. I remember... That was the moment that I thought, you know what? They can beat the Yankees in this series. Yeah, we're about to get that monkey off of our back. Is kind of what it felt like, and as a team felt like, you can just see it. Um, that monkey has been on your back forever, and it, it was the Yankees that you played in the playoffs and lost to the last time you were there so long ago. 
and there you are, and you're taking it to them. That was what was cool, was that, you know, here's the, the, the rich, rich in history, legendary Yankees, and you're taking your game to them. Aggressive style, um, pitching, defense, I mean, it just, you, you that, that, and that, that just signaled it. I mean, like you yeah. said, you know, you know, we're, we're, we're coming after you type deal, and, and Elvis, <laughs> being, being the young player, you're going, what are you doing? What are you, yes. Yeah, exactly. I remember thinking, oh no, oh no. And then when he scored, I was like, oh man, I can't believe that just happened. Yeah, what a play. What a heads up play it where if he didn't, people would have been thrown out. Yeah, it would have been a lot of, a lot of different words used. Oh yeah, for sure. All right. So that is our top 10 Elvis Andrews memories here for him being traded this past week. To wrap it up here tonight, next week, by the time we get back together and do this, uh, pitchers and catchers will have reported, which is crazy to me. That's why. That's why I love the Super Bowl because it means the spring training starts in a week. Yes, sir. Um, and well, I was looking forward to spring training about first quarter of the Super Bowl. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was not good. It had that Broncos Seahawks feeling from a few years ago, and, and how bad that Super Bowl ball is, and how unexpected it was. Um, but yeah, we're we're getting close, and man, I'm excited. I'm looking at the roster as we speak, just <laughs> running running over scenarios in my head. And I know we're we're going to be talking about that. Yes, I was going to preview. We got battles at first, battles at second, battles at third, uh, battles at catcher now, battles in the bullpen, and then who's going to be utility player. So there's going to be a lot of fun stuff and a lot of stuff to look at as it rolls around. A lot of people to watch, a lot of people to talk to. It's going to be uh, crazy. We're going to have trouble keeping this thing down to a 30-minute show once spring training gets started. Well, uh, it'll be more than 30 minutes of great content then. <laughs> That's correct, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It means we have a lot to talk about and uh, we, a lot of information to get out as fast as we possibly can and, and, and make it uh, enjoyable to listen to. But um, I'm looking forward to, to digging our heels in. And the, to me, this is fun, uh, even though it's a rebuilding year and there's not a – there's not really any hope for contending, but just digging in and getting to know each of these these young players and then the pieces that are fitting together as we move forward and and uh, being there at the beginning of it. That's this is going to be fun. I, I enjoy I enjoy the roster building aspect of a winner. Oh yeah, oh, I, yeah do I do too. So, so it, it ought to be, be great, great. CJ. CJ. Good, time Good time tonight. tonight. Thank, Thank you, sir. you, sir. Yes, sir. Have a great week. You too. Talk to you next week, man. Thanks for listening to the Ranger Report podcast. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, and at therangerreport.com.